Thank you, Mark. Thank you, team, for leading us so well. Good morning, church. So good to see you this morning. Look, I know I say it every week, but isn't it a beautiful day outside today? Uh, Oh, thank you. Hey, Lynn. That's a pleasant surprise. It's good to see you. Well, um, yeah, I've had a great week this week, and I hope you have too. But before we get started on uh, getting into today's word, a couple of quick things I want to just remind you of. If you've been wondering what is going on at the top of our driveway with posts that look like it might be a sign and just kind of sitting there, nothing's happening, I just want to assure you, action will happen soon, okay? There's been a few delays, shipments from China and things like that. So that is going to happen, okay? And I just want to reassure you of that. The same with our, our um, building program. It is, it is moving. It's moving ahead and we're going to see action soon, which I'm excited about. I want to also let you know that um, you, you know that um, Kerry finished up in the office at the end of last year and she's gone back to full-time study. And I just want to uh, let you know this morning that we have um, appointed uh, Rebecca Cruz to take on that role as doing the administration within our office. And so um, she's... Yeah, let's... <laughs> probably outside at the moment. So Rebecca will still be... Uh, Rebecca and Nathan are still looking after our kids, Hills Kids... Um, that's part of her job, but also she's doing administration. She'll be there most days of the week, and so um, that's someone that you can go to if you ever need assistance. Next Sunday, I'm excited because Pastor Tom Marcatanius is going to be our guest speaker. Yeah, right? Oh, that, that, that drew a very good reaction, so that's a good sign. And so Pastor Tom was a, a pastor of this church, lead pastor way back, well, not way back, but in the 2000s. Is that way back? Yeah, it feels like it. Feels like it's way back, um, but you might recognise that last name, Marcatanios, and that's um, that's yeah, that's. <laughs> Is he here today? Because there's a lot of <laughs> excitement coming from that area up there. But I'm thinking Claire, Claire's there, and that you'll recognise the same last name there. Lastly, this morning, I just want to do a prayer for uh, Kate. Mullins, who uh, was playing keyboards this morning. She's heading to Gatton to do her last year of university out there. She's going to be staying out there. And so, um, uh, Kate, where are you? All the way over there. You can't hide away. Um, I just want to offer a quick prayer for you, okay, if we can. I know you're going to come back and visit us through the year, and better be back at the end of the year, right? Yes, you have to now. So, um, but we want to just, we're your church family, right? And so we want to be praying for you as you go. Lord, we do lift up to you, Kate, this morning. Uh, We just thank you for her heart for you and her heart for for people. And Lord, for this year, we ask that you uh, would bless her, that you would protect her, um, God, that you would help her to finish um, her studies out there at at Gatton. And Lord, I pray that she'd also find fellowship um, with others of like mind. In that, in that town as well. Uh, we pray for her in, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are in a short series called Attitude Adjustment. And the scripture we're considering is Philippians 2 verse 5, which is this. You must... Oh, got to say this slowly because it's important and it's effective. You and me must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I was thinking 
This morning when I was reading through this again, I could just leave that on the screen and sit down and say, church, for 10 minutes, have a think about how that would apply to your life. Have a think about it. Because I am very challenged by this verse, but I love it because having the attitude of Jesus is quite frankly rewarding. It can have a positive, perhaps even redemptive effect on your life and on the world around you. And that's what the gospel should do. You know, this is the effect of Christ in us. Having his attitude flows out of us and into those around us. Our attitude flows from the way we think. Remember that sermon series from last year about changing the way we think? Be transformed. Remember that? And our attitude comes out of this. It's expressed through actions and words. Um, you know, quite frankly, it's also it's expressed in even how you're sitting here this morning. It's, it's the demeanor, isn't it? You know, there's a vibe. It's, it reminds me of the castle. Everyone know that movie? You know, it's the Marbo. It's the vibe. A good attitude gives off a positive vibe and a bad attitude gives off a negative vibe. And it kind of, it's around you a, a little bit. For example, let's just say hypothetically you recently have been voted in as President of the United States. And you invite all your closest friends and colleagues and you have a good attitude, you and your vice president, and it looks something like this, right? You're excited. There's a good attitude. And then you turn around and one of your good friends is kind of having a little (laughs) snooze, maybe thinking that was supposed to be me, (laughs) you know, or having a little sleep, is there the Bill Clinton one as well, you know? (laughs) Just having a little fun. A right attitude is generally seen... You can take that picture away, go back to something else. A right attitude is generally seen as being positive towards either you know, the people around us or the job that you're in or whatever you're involved with. Whereas a wrong attitude is generally associated... You know, there's negativity around it, perhaps laziness, unhelpfulness. People with wrong attitudes, you know, they, they avoid the jobs that they don't like doing. People with good attitudes, they'll do the jobs that they don't like doing. People with with bad attitudes, um, you know, they'll talk badly about others. They tear down instead of building up. Maybe they arrive late all the time. They do a half-hearted job. The glass is always half empty. Instead of bringing life, they kind of take life. And Jesus was the opposite. You know, he brought life, didn't he? And, And the word says, well, we've got to have the same attitude. That means we have to bring life. In week one, we looked at the attitude of Jesus towards his father. You know, he was about bringing glory to, to his father and, and serving him, doing his will on earth. It was submission and surrender. He loved his father with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our example of an attitude towards, towards the father there. In week two, we looked at the attitude of Jesus towards others. You know, it was love and compassion it was mostly humility, though, and, and that was where we kind of were, were settling two weeks ago. We were looking at what does humility look like? What are the signs of humility? And, and uh, I asked us to evaluate ourselves. You know, are we, do we match up to, those, to that, that humbleness that Jesus had and towards others around us? And this week, I want to finish with Christ's attitude towards the church. And the challenge from Scripture to us today is to have the same attitude that Christ had towards the church. That's for all of us here today. The same attitude that Christ had towards the church. 
So let me start by asking uh, that of you. You know, how is your attitude towards the church? I've asked you to consider what your attitude to God is and your attitude towards others. What's your attitude towards the church? Because I know sometimes the church can be, it, it can be hard to have a good attitude at times. It can be hard to love her. The church is made up of people and therefore there will be brokenness and difficult times. You know, people can be sometimes treated poorly. Leaders can abuse their power. Money can get misused. Divisions, they can and do happen. There can be competitiveness, hypocrisy. There can be false teaching. There can be bad direction. There can be toxic cultures. There can be gossip and judgment and much, much more. And if you've been in a church for any period of time, you will encounter some of those things, yeah? And it can have an effect on our attitude towards the church. And, and I understand that because there's, sometimes there's hurt and things like that that are involved. Sometimes our attitude towards the church is not affected by the church itself, but by, by our own culture and society around us. You know, because let's, let's face it, our, our culture, our society, is, they're not a big fan of the church. I'm not sure if they ever have been, but there was a time when the church was at least kind of happily tolerated. And it's not quite like that anymore. The church is looked down on, it's seen as out of date and, and irrelevant. Sometimes our attitude towards the church is simply affected by, by just by me. You know, my own human tendency perhaps to, to lean towards selfishness. It doesn't meet my needs. I find it uninspiring. They're reading the wrong translation. The music is not to my liking. The walk from the car park is too long. The coffee's not good enough. The preacher is not that great. I get that last one. I understand. But to be honest, there is a thousand reasons to have a wrong attitude towards the church. You can find them, I promise you. You can find them. They will be there. By church, of course, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the buildings we meet in. The church is not a business. It's not um, someone's personal empire we are the church, the followers of Christ. You all know that, hey. So how is our attitude towards the body of Christ, towards the church? Does it match that of Christ Jesus? And so here's some things. To be honest, if I was to say what's the attitudes, the different attitudes that Jesus showed towards the church, there would be dozens, but I'm just going to pick some out for you today that kind of stood out to me. The attitudes of Christ towards the church. The first one is that he had a very resolute attitude to the church. You know, when I do pre-marriage counselling, which I really enjoy doing, by the way, but when I do it, uh, I ask the couples to... They do a personality profile. There's like a thousand questions to try to identify different things to help them discover more about each other in their relationship. But one, some of the questions revolve around their attitude towards marriage itself. You know, what's their mindset? And they get, there's, there's different categories that come out of this. That can be rational, romantic, restless, reluctant, or resolute about marriage. And when it comes to the church, I believe Jesus had a resolute attitude or mindset about the church. You know, it's all in forever, for good. Paul used the example of a marriage between a man and a wife to describe this resolute attitude of Jesus to the the church, And as we read, we're going to just read in Ephesians in a second. And as we read it, I just want you to, just for today, leave aside the, the lesson for husband, 
husbands and wives, that's important, and, and I've preached on it before, because I want you to hear the attitude that Jesus had for his church, you know, which is meant to be ours. So Ephesians 5, starting at verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives, and, and here we go, just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed and by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to him as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So, you know, Jesus must think a lot of the church. You know, he has a very resolute mindset about what the church should be. And, and he's, you know, he, he worked so hard for the church, for us, that he died for, the, for us. But I just want to paraphrase this for you a little bit, just in my words. You ready? Nathan's paraphrase. Christians, followers of Christ, you should love the church with the same enthusiasm and energy that Christ loved the church. The same. His work was given to make the church everything God wanted her to be, glorious, holy, fruitful. He left nothing on the table. It cost him his life. You know, Christ passionately loved the church, and so should we, despite her flaws. There were flaws in the church all the way back to the very beginning. You just have to read some of Paul's letters, right? Our attitude towards the church should be strongly positive, not negative. It should be resolute. You know, nothing will stop us. Yes, I understand that churches have and do sometimes cause hurt and pain, and that grieves me, and I know it grieves Jesus even more. Sometimes it has meant churches have closed or people have had to find a new place to belong. I understand that. I understand those things happen in the church and those situation, in those situations, you know, there needs to be change, there needs to be justice, there needs to be forgiveness and healing. All those things happen. I'm talking in general today. Paul knew very much the church had flaws, but his attitude was always one of believing the best because it's the church that delivers the message of Christ to the world. He had to believe in the church, you know. This was the conduit, the method of bringing the good news. Just like Jesus, Paul was resolute in his love and vision for the church. So when it comes to our attitude, we really have no choice but to have the right one. If we all have the wrong attitude, the church is going to be ineffective and weak. But with the right attitude, you know, the church can be effective and powerful. Jesus loved the church like a husband loved his bride. He was resolute and gave everything for her. So the second attitude that I see from Jesus is one of purpose, purposeful attitude. Here's what he said in Matthew 5. You, again, he's you know, straight to us, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I heard of a church recently called City on a Hill. I love that name. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Do you see how that works? This is just one example in Scripture of the purpose that Christ has for his followers. You know, we, we have a common purpose because Jesus is the head of the church and he lives in each of us. Our purpose is to bring light into the, into the dark world. Amen? But if our attitude is not purposeful, you know, what happens to the church when we don't have 
an attitude of purpose, the sad result is the church just becomes inward-looking. You know, it becomes about our own wants and desires. We want to be comfortable for things just to be easy. And the sad result of that is that we're in danger of just becoming a club like any other club. And we don't want that. Because there's no light going out into the world. You know, this week we said goodbye to, to, um, to Mary and Mark. I was proud of the way, church, that you embraced... Marianne for 10 years, she's with Jesus in, in eternity now. But I know there's tens of thousands of others around us living in the dark. We have the light. Jesus says, you better shine brightly, church. You know, don't you dare hide that light because it's not just for you. We have a four-part mission statement here. I've been leaving it on the, on the stage now for nearly five years hoping that we keep remembering and going back to this. This is our purpose as a church. I know there's probably other things you could think of. I just tried to simplify it as much as we could, but we are here to bring glory to God first and foremost. That's what Jesus said he was doing. Remember that from week one? The second thing is uh, we're about embracing people because, again, that was the attitude of Christ. Embracing all people, not just the followers of Christ, embracing all people the same way Jesus did. We used the word embrace um, deliberately because we wanted to have like a, a, an image of what it looks like for loving others. The third one was planting seeds. And, uh, you know, all through the, the New Testament in particular, there, there's that illustration of seeds being planted of the gospel. Someone plants them, someone waters them. God makes them grow. It's our purpose to be always planting seeds. Sometimes it's through our actions. Sometimes it's through our words. But that's what we're about. It's our purpose. And the last one, of course, is making disciples. It's the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. And we, we, we put that one there because it's just a reminder that it doesn't just end with planting seeds. We're making disciples. You know, we're going deeper in our walk with the Lord. Our biblical mandate requires all of us to embrace the Great Commission, to tell the world the good news, and teaching people to obey is what it says, making disciples. It's all of us together helping the sick and the poor and the prisoner and the hungry. You know, have a read of Matthew 25. God says, here's how I recognize my followers. These are the things you did for the most needy in your society, in your family. That's our common purpose as well. We're doing some good things in this area, but our challenge today is how do we keep turning up the brightness in those areas? How is our attitude to the common purpose God has gathered us here for? Is it for all of us or just for a few? The third attitude is one of commitment. Jesus says, I am with you literally always, all the time, even to the end. You know, the attitude of Jesus to the church was unending commitment. You know, you could perhaps call this endurance. Because Jesus committed always until the end. And so we do that too. We don't give up on the church. I know sometimes we have to move churches, hopefully for a good reason. But the attitude of Jesus we're matching is, a, is one of commitment. Jesus was all in. Paul was all in, wasn't he? Peter was all in, Timothy was all in, Priscilla was all in, Phoebe was all in, Silas was all in, James was all in. 
That'll commit it. There was no turning back for these men and women. They were committed to the church. They were committed to Christ. They were committed to his church. You know, I've noted in most churches, there's levels of commitment. You know, sometimes, or something that I'm not an advocate for, by the way, is overcommitment. So I hope you don't hear me wrong today. Overcommitment leads to burnout and pain, and sadly, it's, it's common in churches. I don't think that's God's plan. But there is an answer to overcommitment. The answer is for the entire church body to be equally committed. Yeah? We're all committed to the mission and the function of the church. When we do that, no one should be found doing too much or too little. The fourth attitude from Jesus is one of sacrifice. It's kind of similar to the previous one. You know, commitment requires sacrifice. Some of the men and women in the New Testament, in the church that we read about in the scriptures, they gave a lot. They sacrificed for, for, uh, for the church, for God. Many would travel great distances. Many would leave their homes. Many would give up good-paying jobs and, and future wealth. Many would be persecuted. Some would even die. Jesus says in Luke, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Those are pretty blunt words, aren't they? You know, serving God through the church requires a hand to the plow kind of attitude. You know, there's a couple things you can take out of that verse, but I just want you to hear this. It requires a hand to the plow attitude. There is a sacrifice to be made. There's work to be done for the kingdom. Because I don't think that as followers of Christ, we're called just to be spectators. Faith in Jesus is not a hobby. It's commitment and sacrifice. It'll be different for each person depending on where God tells you to go and what he tells you to do. But make no mistake, we're all called to sacrifice for our king. He gave his life for us. He showed the way. So we give our life to him. As I said in the previous point, that sacrifice is a burden we carry well if we carry it together. It's an all-in effort. When you consider the church through history... It's those who had the right attitude and loved the church who had the most fruit. You think of Martin Luther and John Wesley and Charles Finney and Spurgeon and Billy Graham and Andrew Murray and William and Catherine Booth and Mother Teresa and many, many others. When I think of modern-day leaders, uh, I think of people like, like Rex Rigby, uh, our, own, our own leader in our denomination. I think of Wayne Schmidt, who's our North American leader. These are humble men who have committed their lives and sacrificed a lot for the church and for the kingdom. The pastors I know who have led churches into seasons of growth and harvest, every single one of them was a leader with the right attitude towards loving God, loving people and loving the church. And they led a church with that same attitude because it becomes the culture of the church. It was the attitude that Jesus had. Parents, I want to encourage you on this today. Because there is a good chance that your attitude towards God, your attitude towards people, and your attitude towards the church will pass down to your kids. I'm sorry, but it's, it's true. It's not always the case, but when we have a poor attitude, our kids can pick up on it. And sometimes it can become their attitude and sometimes you know, even magnified in the next generation. On the flip side, the attitude like Jesus towards his father, towards others, towards the church, 
you know, when we demonstrate that, when we have it, we're increasing the chances of our kids having it as well, loving God like we do. And for me, I want to increasingly have that same attitude as Christ more and more. You know, I'm hungry to see this church rise up and be all that God wants us to be. We're getting there. We're doing it. We're doing a great job, church, by the way. I hope you're not hearing a heart from me this morning of, of I'm talking down to you in any single way at all. We are doing awesome. And I'm saying, let's keep going. I believe in it. So today I want to encourage us to be a church that has the same attitude as Christ Jesus. He loved the church. Do we? He loved the church. Do we? One way is to be involved and to be involved with the same attitude as Christ. And so today I'm going to encourage you to prayerfully consider my, your involvement here. Um, I did put on your chairs this morning a, a list of different ministries in our church. And I want you to prayerfully consider that. I don't want you to feel guilted into it. Okay, hear my heart on this. I don't want you to be guilted into this. There's sometimes a season where you, don't, you shouldn't be serving. I get that. I get that. But I want to encourage you, be involved. You can, let, you can register your interest at the table at the back on the way out today, or you can prayerfully consider and um, email me or the, ring the office or anything during the week or see me next week. I don't mind. But have a think about how would God have you involved? And if you see, don't see a ministry there that you think that you would like to be part of, you just let me know. By the way, some of the areas of need include the production team, the op shop. You know, the, the sorting at the op shop is better than you think it is. <laughs> Can I just say, they have a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. If you would like some connections with some lovely people, then think about doing that. Emma needs some help with the play group. There's lots of areas. I want to ask you to prayerfully consider joining a small group. Small groups are where we go deeper with each other and with God. We do a good job on Sunday, but you need to do face-to-face discussion with just a handful of people, and not just have me talking to you, you know what I mean, for half an hour. So I want you to consider that. Prayerfully consider it. So we've got a list of small groups in this little um, flyer that we've handed out today. Um, There's a few different types of groups we have there. Side door groups are more of an an outward focus. Um, Sunday evenings are are larger groups. The marriage course is a good example. By the way, it starts February the 7th. We forgot to mention it on the announcements this morning, which also weren't for Sunday the 27th. I'm not sure where that came from. I don't know if anyone picked up on that. My wife always does. It's the 24th today. But the small groups are listed there. They, we are down on small groups at the moment because during COVID, some of them weren't able to continue and they haven't started up again. So I'm interested in starting more. And you just have to contact us and let us know if that's you. Those are just two areas to think about when it comes to the church, but there are many others when it comes to attitude. What's my attitude towards worship? What's my attitude towards prayer? Does it match that of Jesus? What's my attitude towards sharing my faith with others? Now, I've talked about this one before. I want to make it simple for you. I'm just saying invite someone to Alpha. 
is one of the best ways that you can share your faith. There's some of you here today who are natural, naturally gifted evangelists, and we love you to, to bits. You know, you're sharing faith on, on airplanes and trains and shopping centers and all those sorts of things. And if you're like me, you're thinking, I don't know if I could do that. If you would like to learn how to do that, we can help you. But I just say, invite someone to Alpha. Love people, invite them to Alpha. Two-step outreach strategy. Love someone, invite them to Alpha. And we'll be doing Alpha again later in this year. What's your attitude towards tithing and giving? You knew I was going to say that one, didn't you? What's your attitude towards tithing and giving? Does it match the same attitude that Jesus had? He said in the word, you should tithe. Paul says you better do it generously and joyfully. And if we don't match those things, then we need to go to Jesus and ask him to help us with our attitude towards giving and tithing. All these things should align with the attitude of Jesus. So let's make a pact today. Let's be a church that is known as having a great attitude, yeah? It's got to be better than that. <laughs> Let's be a church that's known for having a great attitude, yeah? When people encounter us, they notice this church feels like the New Testament a little. You know, there's life here. I pray that this church is a sign and a wonder to this world, that it does shine brightly. May our attitude point people to Jesus. Let's stand together and we're going to pray. So Lord, we've heard, we've heard your word, that we need to consider your attitude towards, towards God and towards others and towards the church, and of course many other areas in life. Lord, I want to walk through this world having the attitude that you had. You know, when I see someone walking the other way, when I encounter someone in the shopping center, when, when I see someone in need... Um, you know, when it comes to how I pray, when it comes to how I generously give, when it comes to how I serve in the church. Lord, all those things change, change us, God. Search our hearts. Change us today. Holy Spirit, come. Unite us together with the attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is my prayer for us this morning. Lord, um, when you said shine brightly, like a, a, a city on a hill, we are in some ways on a hill here physically. I pray, God, that this community would see this as light, see us as light, see you through us. Say, so God, move in our midst. You know, empower these ministries today. Empower these small groups. May they go deep and wide. Unite your church together with a common purpose. And Lord, may we approach it with the attitude that Christ Jesus had. We love you, Lord. Your mercies have never failed. Amen.